Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Sip With Me. I'm your host, Ioana Kekados. And I'm your host, Aaron Carlson. We're releasing an episode for you every Monday at 10.30 a.m. Central Time, which means you can listen to us during your commute, after work workout, or even enjoy a drink with us during your very own Monday night happy hour. And who doesn't like to have a little fun on a Monday night? Don't forget to subscribe, review, and share our show. And be sure to follow us at sipwithme underscore for the latest episode updates, news, and all of our favorite cocktail concoctions. Hey guys, and welcome to the 12th episode of season four. For this week's cocktail, we are so excited to be featuring Jennifer, also known as the Gin Madam on Instagram. She shared with us her favorite cocktail creation, the Bee's Knees. Take it away, Jennifer. Hello everyone, it's Jennifer, also known as the Gin Madam. I'm the creator, photographer, and gin expert behind the popular Instagram account, the Gin Madam. I'm so excited to be here with you today on Sip With Me, and I'm very excited to be able to share with you one of my favorite cocktails. A wee bit about me before we toss together one of the most classic cocktails of all time. I'm originally from Scotland, but currently live in beautiful Tampa. I have been collecting and making gin for over 15 years. I'm a microbiologist, so distilling is in my blood. And I guess you could say quite a lot of alcohol as well. As one of the US's leading experts and influencers of gin, I get asked all the time, why gin? Well, aside from it tasting lovely and its very tumultuous past, Gin has this amazing ability to tell a story. Every distiller incorporates botanicals unique to them, as well as their culture. So really, gin is like a tapestry of flavor. It can transport you around the world with each sip. One of my favorite sayings is be provocative, not predictable, as it pertains to cocktails. I love this so much because it embodies exactly what a signature cocktail should be. Distinctly you. It should be soft or strong, bold, sweet, you name it. As the gin madam, nothing screams provocative more than the prohibition era cocktail, the bee's knees. Who wouldn't want to be the bee's knees or at least enjoy ordering one with a name like that? It's simple, refreshing, and unforgettable. With just three key ingredients, its preparation makes for a very relaxing evening. All you need is two ounces of gin. I highly recommend Hendrix or The Botanist. Both are very easy to come by in your local bar, and they're just lovely in general. You also need one ounce of lemon juice and a half ounce of your own honey simple syrup. It's going to be very easy to make. All you need is a quarter ounce of honey and a quarter ounce of warm water. Mix them both together, heat them up a little bit until the honey is very fluid. When you're at that point, you take your three ingredients, your gin, your lemon juice and your homemade honey simple syrup and you toss it into a cocktail shaker with some ice and you have to shake it for about 30 to 40 seconds. Why that long? Well, that honey is still a wee bit warm and we need to chill the cocktail down for you to thoroughly enjoy it. So, shaking it for about 40 seconds with ice should get you right where you need to be. 
At that point, you're going to pour your cocktail over a strainer into a lovely glass, garnish with a gorgeous garnish, like a wee flower, and enjoy your cocktail. <laughs> I highly recommend uh, while you're sitting back and relaxing and sipping on your bee's knees, you pull up the history of this amazing cocktail. It is quite wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers, my dears. So grab your bee's knees and let's meet our guest who is quite literally the bee's knees of the world's fashion illustration industry. Welcome back to the episode. This week we are so excited to speak with popular fashion illustrator and author Holly Nichols, who you may also know as H Nichols Illustration on Instagram. She has created fashionable illustrations and campaigns for brands like Saks, Barneys, Neiman Marcus, and many, many more. Her work is truly amazing and we are so beyond excited to have her on. Holly, thank you so much for taking your time out and coming on our show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So it's such a great um, experience to be here. I appreciate it. So we'd love to know uh, more about your background and really how you got started with everything. Yeah, I I grew up um, south of Boston. I still live in this area and I've always loved art. Um, I took lessons as a young child. Um, I've always loved fashion too. So once I um, went through art school, Towards the end of my um, time there, senior year, I was introduced to the art of fashion illustration, specifically the artist David Downton, um, who works mostly with watercolors, um, at least what I saw at the time. And once I found out that that existed, I just became obsessed with it. And towards the end of my time there, senior year, I started just creating exclusively fashion illustrations. And then when I graduated, I was like, I I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I have an art degree Mm -hmm. (laughs) and no one wants to hire me with an art degree. So I, um, I just went into bartending kind of like by default. Um, and I was also teaching part-time at a school, helping out, um, in a classroom there. So between those two things, I was like kind of just lost and I started an Instagram and I should preface this by saying this was 2013. So Instagram oh, so early adopter. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, people were just kind of sharing pictures of their food and cats <laughs> at this time. So it wasn't really like monetized in any way. It yeah. wasn't used as a business tool. Um, so I started it and I was posting my work that I had done in college and a little bit beyond. Um, So this is about a year later and it grew really rapidly to my surprise. Um, I think myself, like many other artists are always surprised when anyone likes our work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I was happy about that. And it kind of got to a point where the demand with my work as an artist was overtaking what I could do at the same time, having these like odd jobs. So I was able to leave my jobs bartending and at the school, and I've been doing this full time since 2014-ish. That's awesome. Talk a little bit more about that transition from when it kind of, you know, was just an Instagram to when it really kind of took over and you did start to, you know, make it a full-time thing and start to branch out and partner with businesses and people and other creators Um, What was that process like? Yeah, so I was being approached 
mostly on Instagram via um, DMs and then just email if I had it connected mm-hmm. by brands and just people who wanted personal work done, which I don't really mm. do too much of anymore, but um, it was a really great starting point for me. Yeah. And I weighed my options. I think I was, I was probably like 23, 24 at the time. So I really didn't have this concern of job security, which I should have been thinking of in retrospect and health insurance and all of those fun things. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of just took the leap. And yeah. if that had been now, I don't think I would have done it. Um, I think I would have been too scared. Um, and a little more practical than I was then. Um, so I'm glad I did it when I did, but I just kind of decided to go with it. And as soon as I was able to invest more time into it, it just grew and grew, um, to the point where I am now. So I'm, I'm so grateful for, um, my decisions and the support of my family and Mm. the network I created that was kind of cheering me on the whole time. Yeah. Beautiful. And talk a little bit more about the art itself. So, um, maybe not everybody listening knows you, but talk a bit about what you draw and where you pull inspiration from and specifically like your style. And if you could describe it over a podcast. Yeah. So my style is categorized as illustration, but then more specifically fashion illustration. So there are these fashion inspired pieces of art Uh, They're really just art for art's sake. They don't have much of a function, I think, other than Mm -hmm. just visual happiness and joy. I like that. (laughs) Um, I see a lot of crossover between the communities that have an appreciation for fashion and art. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I got into it as well. So, um, yeah, a lot of them, they're mostly women in these either couture gowns or Mm -hmm. just kind of chilling on her couch um, which is what I'm usually, I mean, <laughs> being me now, I'm in like, he's on the couch right now <laughs> in a sweatshirt and leggings. So that's kind of how I am typically, but it's always fun to experiment with those couture designs as well. You kind of just touched on this. Um, and that was really one of my questions. Um, I know some of your Catherine sketch illustrations really, um, kind of highlight and and focus on the everyday woman it's not just these glamorous gowns which are beautiful but most of us are really not wearing those day to day um i'd love for you to kind of talk more about that and what really was your inspiration for that yeah catherine came out of a collection i did a long time ago um and i sketched a series of my best friends (laughs) so catherine is named for my best friend catherine Um, i also have a becca atea um, oh my and it's funny because my best friend Taya would wear one of those couture gowns if she's <laughs> she'll appreciate it. Um, so they, I just kind of made them because I knew that my followers and, and customers would have an appreciation for just these everyday girls that are doing kind of just what we all do, which is, you know, they were just wearing jeans and like a crossbody bag. So it was just an ode to them and mm-hmm. uh, a celebration of our friendship. Interesting. I think Ioana and I need to draw each other oh, no. and uh, we'll post that and you can see how we do. I'd love to see it. <laughs> so um, how do you, if you could describe success as an artist, um, especially now with COVID and the like economic just trauma and meltdown that a lot of people have gone through over the last year, um, like my fiance, he's an art, he's a um, actor and so many people, not only within that field, but so many fields of art just 
it just completely disappeared. Um, so how do you, what would you say is success? And do you have any words of advice, encouragement, anything like that at all um, to give people who, you know, follow your art, want to be artists, want to pursue it full time, um, but might be stuck in what a lot of people are stuck in right now, which is, you know, a bad situation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's tricky because when this all happened, I was thinking about my career and those that are, that have similar careers and how, you know, I was like, we're not essential. Like, why does anyone need what I'm doing right now? No one's going to take time to buy artwork or, you know, seek out a musician's work. But in, as I've seen over the last year and then some is a higher appreciation for the arts than ever before. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm. we saw that demonstrated like in TikTok musicals and, um, you know, for, for me, it was people were downloading my digital coloring book. So they had an outlet to express Mm -hmm. themselves somehow, because what else can you do locked in your house without contact with other people? I think there, people were just craving some sort of creative expression or consumption. So I've never felt more embraced and I'm so thankful for that. And similarly, I have like, I have a community of Facebook um, artists. Um, It's called the creator community on Facebook. And we've all just been posting our work and asking for feedback of each other and uh, constructive criticisms. And we've done these little um, demo classes for each other. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's been, it's been a positive year for me outside of the chaos that this year has also brought. Um, so I've never been happier to be an artist. I think we can get through it in the next year. I think it's going to just be, uh, an expanded blossoming. I love that. That's honestly <laughs> like, it is so great to see people still be so positive and have different outlets for people to express themselves while being, you know, really locked in our homes. Um, I would really love to know what does a day look like for you? Um, I know you're juggling so many things and doing so much with your book, uh, also working on different campaigns. And then obviously I follow your Instagram and you're always drawing something and posting it. Um, So, you know, how do you juggle all that and what does your day look like? Yeah, I'm going to roll my eyes at myself because I hate people who say this, but I wake up really early. (laughs) (laughs) I don't drink alkaline water or all those things. (laughs) There's no magic. I drink a lot of coffee, though. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I always start with coffee. Um, I, I I go to bed really early, too. So I'm not like I'm not working on three hours of sleep. I get a normal amount of sleep. I just work better early. Yeah. Um. So I do that. And in the morning, I kind of do all like my admin stuff. So email and that type of thing. Um, Checking in on messages, DMs, comments. Um, From there, I fill all of my orders for my online store. So anyone can order a print, uh, stuff like that off my um, website. Mm -hmm. So I'm printing, hand signing and packaging all of those. And that takes up a good portion of my day. Um, I don't I don't do that every day. I kind of try to do it every other day or else I'd just be doing that exclusively. (laughs) Um, And then in the afternoon, I leave that up for creative time. So that could mean, like you said, I do a lot of drawing tutorials where I'm just posting my drawing process on my Instagram. Or if I have client work that I need to do where I'm drawing, that's usually when I'm doing it in the afternoon, mostly because of the sunlight. Um, I work better in natural light. So 
it's kind of my process. And then I like to fit in a workout somewhere in there as another big part of my life. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, which has been tricky with, you know, limited access to gyms, yeah. but I do the best I can at home. <laughs> we both used to be Zumba instructors. So. Yeah. I, <laughs> I am a Zumba regular and I've been doing yes. it all the pandemic. I didn't know there was anyone else that still did it. I'm so happy to hear that. We love Zumba. It was how we met too, which is. Yep. Oh, you're kidding. That's yeah. so great. Oh my God. Um, okay. Last thing I want to ask you about is your book that you have coming out. Um, just tell us a little bit about it and um, yeah, your plan for it. Yeah, I worked on this. It was kind of fateful timing. I started working on it a little bit before we were all locked down. And I um, I was approached by um, a publisher that wanted, that was looking to partner with an artist on a how-to process book. So um, it was kind of a really, you know, opportune fit. And it just discusses my process from start to finish in that means both how I draw, but also how I work as an artist on Instagram. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of all encompassing and it's, I've tailored it for all levels. So if you've never drawn anything in your life, there's a whole section in the back of templates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you can skip to the back and it's templates that I've already hand drawn. Um, and you can learn, you know, coloring techniques with whatever tools you have. I wanted it to be accessible for pretty much anyone. So whether you have crayons or the higher end illustration markers that I have, it's fit for everyone. Um, it took about a year or so to write and produce and we're coming to the final, you know, race now. It comes out tomorrow if you're listening to this. So mm-hmm. April 13th. Um, very grateful. And you can order it on all major booksellers. Um, yeah, so I'm super excited. It's it's a rewarding rewarding experience. Yes, it's awesome. I have two final questions. Um, You've done so many different campaigns with so many different brands that I love. Um, Do you have a favorite? And then kind of going off of that, do you have a moment, just some type of like the, either the best moment or your most surreal moment of your career thus far? I've I've definitely had a few. Um, One of the early early ones that stands out to me was I partnered with Tresemme um, pretty early on in my career. And I, they took me to fashion week in New York. Um, it was the February season cause I was freezing <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I went with them backstage and also at the shows to sketch the looks, the hair and makeup uh, looks, um, for each designer that they uh, were sponsored by or that they were sponsoring. Pressure. Um, Yeah, it was incredible. And I I was, it it was so early into when I was, you know, get on this path. So I was kind of startled the whole time. Um, But I was in work mode. So Mm -hmm. if you've ever been to Fashion Week, it's so funny because you see the people that are there to be seen and then you see the people working. (laughs) (laughs) And all of us are like in black and we're like lightning what we need to do. (laughs) Um, So it's it's funny to see both ends of that spectrum. But um, yeah, I'm very happy to be on the working side of it. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. No. But I I love seeing fashion. It's such a different experience to see it coming down a runway in person. And from an artist's perspective, just seeing how the garments and fabric move. 
um, in motion is it's, it's incredible. I'm used to see, I had been used to seeing it on just like the runway mm -hmm. apps and stuff like that. Um, so that was, that was a great experience. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. I love like, it. And then do you have any future plans for everything? I mean, you're already doing so much obviously with the book and then social and actually doing, um, private clients and campaigns. Uh, but is there anything else, uh, you want to highlight or anything we should look forward to? Yeah, so complimentary to the book, I am starting a digital classroom, which has been a goal of mine for That's so long. So awesome. I'm so nice. I I love our education. I've been I've taught art classes in the past, and you know I worked at a summer camp for years <laughs> teaching art. Um, so it's kind of like returning to where I started in a way. But I just love sharing my process, and I I love talking to other artists and seeing what their process is. So it'll be available um, for anyone to, to tune into and to sign up for. There's going to be smaller classes, but there's also going to be a master class that goes hand in hand with the book. Um, and similarly, it's going to be good for all levels, whether you're a beginner or someone that's kind of, I hear a lot of from moms that are like, I used to do sketching when I was younger and I don't have time now that I have kids, but I want to do something for me. Hmm. So um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. There's nothing I love more than teaching, so. I'm excited for that. I was going to ask if it was for beginners because I'm a very much a beginner. So yes, if we haven't highlighted before, <laughs> I think you'd be surprised to, to discover how much you um, can start with. It, mm -hmm. It's really, I mean, I start all of my sketches with as, as a um, mm -hmm. stick figure. If you look at the starting sketch, it's literally a stick figure. It's the most beautiful <laughs> stick figure though. Like compared to mine, I'm like, it's so much better. Mm. <laughs> all right. Can you tell everyone where they can find you um, and where they can interact with you online? Yeah, you can find me at H Nichols Illustration, which is probably the longest handle I could have picked. <laughs> um, and similarly, hnicholsillustration.com. Um, of course, if it's easier, just search my name, Holly Nichols. That should turn everything up as well. Awesome. Well, Holly, again, thank you so very so much. much. We are excited um, to that your book launched tomorrow um, and to see where you go and what you keep creating. So thank you both. I hope we can all do Zumba together someday. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we will arrange that. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you. This is Sip With Me News. I'm Aaron Carlson. And I'm Ioana Kikados. Here are the things you need to know from this week's headlines. Touching on a story we covered last week, workers at Amazon's Fulfillment Center located in Bessemer, Alabama, voted 1,798 to 738 against the effort to unionize, labor officials said. That represented a majority of votes cast in the contest, which was seen as a key test for Amazon after global criticism of its treatment of workers during the pandemic. The union said it would challenge the results, accusing Amazon of interfering with the right of employees to vote in a free and fair election including by lying to staff about the implications of the vote in mandatory meetings and pushing the Postal Service to install a mailbox on company grounds in an effort to monitor the vote. The union vote was seen as a key test for workers' rights activists who critique the company for exposing workers to COVID-19 and increasingly intrusive and excessive monitoring of employees' performance and locations while on site. While the vote did not pass, the progress of the movement and occurrence of a vote is the first in years and is seen as a hint of what the corporation and other U.S. corporations are set to face over the next decade. 
And continuing to cover the pandemic, the U.S. will experience an 85% drop in availability in vaccines by Johnson & Johnson next week compared with this week, and it is unlikely to see a steady output from the vaccine maker until the company resolves production issues at a facility in Baltimore, Maryland. The company is still working to address the issues created by Emergent Biosolutions, which isn't certified yet by the U.S. FDA. But following FDA authorization, there is hope the facility will enable it to stabilize output to about 8 million doses per week. And the New York Times has reported this month that the contamination issues related in a loss of potentially 15 million J&J &J vaccine doses. But because the Emergent Biosolutions facility hasn't been authorized, none of the materials were distributed. There is no connection between the production issues and reports of mild adverse reactions that temporarily halted some vaccine clinics this week. And the federal government does not plan to change how it's allocated vaccine does to favor parts of the country like Michigan that are experiencing surges in cases. J&J &J said it is remaining committed to its goals of delivering 100 million doses total by the end of May. And U.S. Airlines pulled dozens of Boeing 737 MAX jets out of service this week for inspections after the aircraft maker told them about a possible electrical problem. The latest setback for the plane, which you may remember, was grounded over the last year due to issues. Boeing said Friday that the issue affected planes used by 16 airlines and that it recommended inspections before the planes fly again. The MAX was grounded worldwide in March 2019 after two crashes killed a total of 346 people overseas. Regulators in the U.S., Europe, Canada, and Brazil cleared the plane to resume flying in recent months after Boeing changed an automated flight control system that did play a role in the crashes. Boeing said Friday that the electrical issue was unrelated to the flight control system, but it did not say how many planes are affected or how long it will take for inspections and if necessary, repairs to be completed. And shifting to international news, Queen Elizabeth II has described being left with a huge void in her life after her husband, Prince Philip's death. Philip, the lifelong companion of the Queen and the longest serving consort in British history, died at the age of 99 on Friday. The news of Philip's death was met with an outpouring of tributes from around the world, including messages from every living US president and other world leaders. And due to COVID, the guest list limited to 30 people under UK government guidelines. And it is expected that Philip's immediate family, including his children and grandchildren, will make up the bulk of those present in St. George's Chapel. Prince Harry will be at the funeral, of course, next Saturday, although Meghan Merkel will not. Harry is preparing to head back to the UK in the coming days, and it will be the first time he has been in the country in over a year. It is also the first time he will have seen members of the royal family since his and Meghan's interview with Oprah Winfrey aired last month. And those are your headlines for the week. Be sure to tune in next week for the news that you need to know now. Thanks for listening to Sip With Me with Ioana and Aaron. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, sipwithme.org. There you can find our recently released cocktail book, as well as other exciting Sip With Me content. And if you love our podcast, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on social at sipwithme underscore. Join us next week as we peel back the layers of the wedding cake industry with cake boss Aaron Martin of Chicago's very own ECBG Studio.